top MMA voices Ariel Hawani, Chuck Mindenhall, and Pizza Carroll are live on the Spotify Greenroom app for every major MMA card with the Ringer MMA show. Hear the guys react to weigh-ins in real time and find out what they think of the fights the moment the final card ends. Plus, when breaking MMA news happens, they'll be live to talk to you about it. And if you miss the Green Room show, you can hear it as a podcast anytime on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? We back. R2C2. Little reaction pod. A little late today, though. <laughs> Man. Oh, this is too funny. This shit was so, crazy. So we would have, we you y'all would have received this this podcast first this thing morning. in the morning. Yeah, getting yeah. up. Uh, one of us was was on the Zoom waiting to record last night, and the other one wasn't. And um, you know, you guys have heard this story. You're loyal listeners of R2C2 about when the Last Jedi came out, and C and I were supposed to go to the friends and family showing that Michael Strahan had set us up with. And I'm like waiting there. It's like 15 minutes before the show. And I call C and he's like, where is it again? Whatever. And then he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm still in Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, yeah, obviously you're not going to make it. You're in Jersey. And the show starts in Manhattan in 15 minutes. So I was like, hey, man, like, you know, next time if you could just like let me know, that'd be great. And C's like, hey, man, we're going to be friends a long time. And I'm just letting you know this shit's going to happen again. So... (laughs) Last night, I thought it happened again, but it didn't as it turned out, see? Nah, my fucking phone broke, man, and I went to go get a new one yesterday um, in the morning. Like, my screen is, like, hanging on by this fucking wire on yeah, my like, phone. Like, it's actually, if you look, CC held up his phone, but if no, you look like, at it, it's, like, it's detached. Like, the like screen is, like, totally from detached phone. from the, like, battery of the phone. So yeah. I went to go get the new one yesterday, and, it, it, I mean, I got it really quick, and it was downloading. So I left the store to come back to the house, and for whatever reason, like it just took forever. Like all my messages and pictures and all that that shit, it took forever to download. So this phone still comes on. Like I can still see the text message and shit, but I just can't text back because I can't like <laughs> you can't press on it. You know uh, what I'm saying? So yeah, I can see the text messages coming through, and you guys talking about the podcast and like sending the link through and all that shit. But I couldn't fucking respond. It was it was a fucked up situation. Uh, and Watched Amber, the whole World Series. A- Amber was busy. N- yeah. n- none of your kids nah. have our numbers. No, nah, yeah, it was yeah. it was there was nothing we could do. And I mean, uh, it was so late. My kids were asleep. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it was crazy. I was no, sitting there like, what the fuck? I like, oh my gosh! Just trying to wait, and, and literally, I had like when I like when I went to bed, I had like seventeen more gigs for it to download for it to. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my, it gosh. was terrible. It oh, was terrible. That, that is hilarious. Well, oh my gosh, that's so funny. I um thought there might be a uh, an interesting explanation, and and there is. There's a very interesting <laughs> one. Holy cow! Well. Uh, uh, well, see, we we both did watch every aspect of Game Six, and you nailed it with Max Freed, man. You man. said he he was going to be the difference, he was going to be the X factor, and he was. He was, and you know what's crazy? He could have kept going. Like he was, you know what I'm saying? Like in a in a regular game, I mean, in a regular game, in a in a regular season game, he finishes that. Like he has 79 yeah. pitches after six innings, and he was cruising. And then he coming up in the seventh, he had the two lefties coming. So I was like, damn, like, 
just let them go hitter to hitter. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, because the guys were going to be fresh. You don't have to come in and get a bunch of outs. So, I mean, he was he was incredible, though. And, and you know, all he did was started mixing in the changeup and a couple of more two-seamers hmm. uh, uh, into the lefties and, and away to the righties. And it, and it completely locked them up. Um, I mean, he even, you know, Kyle Tucker, he had a strikeout against him. But it, but the the pitch that I like to see the most was he threw him a two-seamer down and in where he just kind of swung over it. You know what I'm saying? Like took his normal hack, but swung over it. And that's, that let me know that, that Max was dialed in because he he can see that little hole. You can see a hole in the lefty swing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With a two-seamer. And, he, and he, he dotted it right there. He was dotting it into Alvarez, you know, got the ground balls at second base. And then when his, his second at-bat came around, he threw in the first pitch slider. He hit that ball hard. It hit off the mound. But, you know, he was able to get the double play. It's interesting because I was really paying attention to the lefties and whether or not he was going to get in on them based on our conversation and how pissed off you were the other day with the sequence uh, yeah. where whoever didn't do that, you know, and, like, just stay in, stay in with the yeah. in, in hard, soft away to the lefties. Don't, don't. Don't break that formula, right? It's, like, it's a little more complicated. It. It's a little more complicated yeah. with Michael Brantley just because he's such yeah. a good hitter. But yeah. the the other two, man, I mean, that's I, I feel like that's how he was able to get them out last night. Yeah. And, and it was interesting. I actually, I wasn't bold enough to tweet it, although I wish I had been. But like when he, when the first two guys got on uh, with the two infield, whatever they were, you mm -hmm. know, the infield single and then the infield, you know, uh, Freed's ankle is made of vibranium as oh he gets my stepped out. Holy cow, how he survived if, that was just if like, that was If that was Spikes, he would have oh, been done. Oh, like, oh man. that was nasty. Oh, man. But he, I was like, if he gets through this without giving up a run, they're going to win the World Series tonight. Man. And, and man, to get through three, four, and five in that Astros lineup after Bro, that, the way the first two guys got on, that took some serious metal. And you know what's crazy against uh, Guriel? I complained about how he pitched him in the first game when he hit yeah. the ground ball to second base. He pitched him exactly the same, cuz. He threw him two fucking yeah. fastballs in, dotted him. But then he threw the fastball that he threw down and in for 0-2 was 98. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, he, I mean, the one that he gave up the hit on was 95 in game yeah. whatever that was, two or three, whatever that was. But last night, that shit was 98, dotted. And that's what, that's what ended the inning. So he, he pitched him the exact same way. He pitched him the exact same way, but just with a little more fucking velocity and conviction and was yeah. able to get away with it. Lock, he locked Guerrero up. He was looking for the slider. He he thought he was going to pitch him the same way he pitched Correa because he went yeah. fastball in, fastball in, slider, made Correa look silly. Dude, I, there's so many things about this team winning that I love, okay? First of all, I love that it took Freed having this start to get them over the hump, right? You and I have talked about this a lot, but this was further reinforcement that you need a great starter. At some point, you, you need a great start. You are not getting to the finish line without getting a great start from someone. You're just not going to do it. Remember when it was it used to be like you had to have three great start like three yeah. starters, and then yeah. it was two. Now it's just one good start, huh? That's crazy. Yeah. It is. That, it like, is. It, the, how much has changed where you just need one good six innings, yeah. and that's six innings. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. if, like, you let me go six innings in the playoff game in 2009. I would have got fucking fried in the paper the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Sabathia can only get 18 outs. <laughs> Yo, 
We ain't paying for this. So like leave, leaves too much on the table for Damaso Marte. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's crazy how much it's changed. But Man. yeah, you're right. It's just it's just you need one you need one you need one performance like that. I mean, yeah. if you if you can get a couple in today's game, you know, if they would have had Charlie Morton, I think it may have been over earlier. Yeah. Cause you can't you just can't bullpen your way through October. You could do it for spurts and spots and very effectively, as we saw with the champs, right? But you have to do it with the supplementation of having a starter that does a couple of things, right? One, just relieves some of the fatigue on the relievers if they're going to be used consistently in these high leverage spots. But also, two, I I think gives the opposing offense less time to dissect that bullpen as well. If you see that bullpen all seven games, all six games, all five games, the same guys over and over again, you're going to have more success. We always talk about this just within individual bats, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, the longer this goes, the more the advantage for the hitter. Well, the same kind of thing, right? If a hitter, with exceptions, but if a hitter sees the same dude over and over and over again in a short span, all of a sudden, you know, things don't look as nasty, right? I mean, we kind of actually, in in some ways, it's still a little different, but we saw it in that Solera bat, right? And Smoltz yeah. did a good job calling it. He's like, he's seen too many of those sliders, man. He's seen too many of those sliders, and then boom, three-run homer because of that. Yeah, you know, you know what it was, though? It was the fastball that he didn't get up. He was supposed yeah. to throw that fastball up, and he threw that fastball right where he had been swinging that whole time, the same, like, uh, eyesight, you know what I'm saying? The same eye line. And when he, yeah. he, he, he backed the slider up off of that, and it was going to be, I mean, shit. But if he throws that fastball up, Solaire probably swings at that. And if he doesn't, then that slider, then that slider, he swings right through it. You know what I'm saying? But because he threw that fastball down and, and he's kept his eyesight down, right when he's seen that hump in that slider, he could recognize it right away because he had he fouled knew? off so many. Yeah. That ball was That's a, so a hammer. Oh hammer. my gosh. Ridiculous. Hammer. And you know what they did well too is they kept adding on runs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, they did. You yeah. Have to, yeah. You have to do that against them. It wasn't, they, I mean, the game would have been over after three. You know what I'm saying? Three runs, the way Max Free was pitching, pretty, everybody pretty much felt that, you know, that he could have got it done, right? They could have, I mean, obviously they did. It was, it was a seven nothing game. But when you add, you keep adding runs, you know, Swanson hits the home run and then, and, and, uh, and you know Freddie Freeman goes deep. Like it just, it just gives you that that extra confidence, that extra padding to be able to go out and make pitches. You know, as a starter, and then and when the bullpen comes in, one hundred percent. It it was a complete uh, and total domination. Honestly, Game Six yeah, was a dominant was. performance from the Braves. And I mean, there's so many different good stories and elements about it. It was a big win for starting pitcher C. I also thought it was a big win for going for it, right? It was it was further validation that you go for it. You don't punt on a season when you're knocking on the door and you have core pieces that you think can help get you to win. I mean, if you think about the guys who were acquired that were not there at the deadline, right? Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, I mean, this was further validation of don't pack. Yeah, they lost Acuna and they lost Ozuna. Don't pack it up. There's still a lot of good here. Go for it. You never know what can happen. They went for it. And I also thought, see, it, 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 
to me, further illumine the idea of the psychological effect of being brought to a contender. Because if you look at Rosario's numbers before the trade, if you look at Solaire's numbers Solaire's before the numbers, trade, yeah. yeah, clearly those guys were motivated, right, by getting to a winning situation or a competing situation because their numbers are night and day from where they were on the crappy teams before they got dealt. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, as soon as you get into a situation where you you feel like you have a chance to win, um, I mean, you know, because when you go into spring training on a, tra- on a trash team, you know it's a trash team, cuz. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to give all the rah-rah speeches yeah, and all yeah. that shit, but you know you have actually no chance. And when you get a you get an opportunity to be, you know, thrust in that situation, you know, it's, it's that's when it's time to put up or shut up. And, and most guys can can usually rise to the occasion. Yeah. Do, do you think that there is a different level of focus you noticed in your career day in, day out when you were pitching on a winning team versus when you were pitching on a team that you knew had no chance? Yeah, I mean, because everything matters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When 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 you're pitching on a team that that uh, has no no pl- chance of going to the playoffs even, right? Like, you know, little games in fucking April and May and shit and making errors or, you know, not doing the little things. None of that shit matters. When you're doing that shit on a, on a winning team and a team that's trying to, you know, win a championship, not just get to the playoffs. All those little things matter in April and May. Getting the bunt defenses right, you know, covering the bases, backing up bases, all of that shit, you know, it's just it just puts a, you know, a heightened sense on on the little things, so you can go out and try to win a ball game every single night. And yeah, um, you know, you 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 feel that definitely when you when you on those type of teams. And kudos to Alex Anthopoulos for going for it, for getting those pieces, for bringing them in, and for the guys stepping up. Soler was unbelievable. Obviously, World Series MVP. You know, I, I also I, I also think that, you know, what's interesting to me, see, is like we saw a ton of home runs last night, right? And I think especially around, and obviously we have a lot of Yankee fans who listen to the pod, a big piece of the conversation in recent years has been like, do you want a lineup loaded with home run hitters in the playoffs or is that really the recipe for the best offense? And I think that in some ways the home run gets a bad name, right? It's not about... It's not that hitting home runs isn't a formula to win in October. It's about not having only home run hitters. I want great hitters who hit home runs. That's what the Braves have. Exactly. They don't don't have home run hitters. Like the only home run hitter I would say in that lineup is maybe Solaire. Solaire, right. But the rest of them are, they're good hitters. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like, uh, I I, I mean... um, Alzi Aubrey's, I mean, he's 30 and 100. You know what I'm saying? Like, Freddie Freeman is a good hitter. Like, Dansby can hit. Like, these guys up and down that lineup, like, Riley Freeman hit 303 with 33 and 100. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep, yep. these guys can hit because, like, this is not, like, um, uh, a, a three true outcome team. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, this right. is a team that puts the ball in play. You can fucking move the bases. Like, you can do some hitting and running. putting. The, you know, they, they, they can do little things. Um, so you're right. They are a team that have great hitters that just happen to hit home runs. Exactly. That's see, and to me, the that has to be the backbone of your offense when it comes to winning in October. I need great hitters who hit home runs because I when I think of guys who just hit home runs, usually they're very pitchable. And if they face right, if they face the best competition with the best, most lasered in scouting reports, they're probably going to be vulnerable. I'm sure, C, you probably would have an easier time 
facing the dude who hits 45 home runs but is a 200 hitter in October than you would the guy who hits 300 but hits 20 home runs in October, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, I thought the Braves lineup was was an example of that. Yeah, Solaire is probably their exception there, but the other guys, they're really good hitters who happen to hit home runs. And if I think about the Yankee teams during the dynastic years of the 90s and the guys who hit big home runs, like Derek Jeter hit a lot of big October home runs. He's obviously not a home run hitter. He's just a great hitter who hit home runs, especially in October, right? Bernie Williams, he's not a home run hitter. He's a great hitter who hit home runs. You know, oh, I, mean, I I think that kind of is how I would look at, at those guys. Um, and some of the guys who were more sort of classified as home run hitters, I think struggled more mm-hmm. uh, by and large in October, even if they had a moment here or there, right? Like even a Giambi. Giambi had a couple of big home runs in his playoff career, but for the most part, he struggled for the Yankees in the playoffs, you know? Um, and and not to just single him out, but that type of hitter, you know? So what what was your other what what was your other big takeaway, see, from the World Series? Anything else that's like sitting with you watching watching Atlanta win and Houston lose? Um, I mean, you know, just just let, let having that Atlanta sports team get the monkey off their back and yeah, you know, those fans are starving for it. So, you know, I'm I'm interested to see what this parade is gonna look like. I think it's pretty cool too that like you know, I always like teams that have homegrown guys. Like Freddie Freeman grew up yeah. there. You know, like he came up through that organization. You know, Ozzy Albies is their guy. Like, you know, they traded for Swanson super early. So um, it's dope that they were able to win with, you know, some of their core guys too. Yeah. I like when – I think it's like there's a balance, right? There's – you need you want that homegrown core – that gets augmented by the right pieces you bring in. And Jock, Jock Peterson, and you know what I'm saying? You get yeah. the interjection of some of these guys. Rosario, Soler, you know? And and I also think that probably for the guys who were already on the team, but, you know, were just hovering around 500 around the trade deadline, getting these players, I'm sure, energized them too and made them think, okay, management believes in us. Management's going for it, you know? And look, look, we saw that with the Yankees this year, right? Where the Yankees, after the deadline, took off, where they were kind of in this in-between period, and management said, all right, you know, we're, we're, we're investing in this team. Didn't ultimately come up with the same fruit, but I think we saw the same kind of bump. It's also, can, can, I want to be honest about something. This was interesting to me. I wasn't rooting as hard against the Astros as I thought I would. Why <laughs> Why do you think? Now, I wanted the Braves to win because of my good friend Jeff Quagliotta, our head of research at the Yes Network. He's a diehard Braves fan, and he's a diehard Atlanta sports fan, and he's gone through all these painful losses recently. But why do you think, see, like, why did it not feel as, did you, did you feel that too? I mean, even beyond Dusty, like, eh. I don't hate him as much as I thought I would. No, I mean, but I but I found myself like rooting for the Braves, though. I guess. I mean, you even did. after like when I was going to Game Three, like I was like clapping and shit for the Braves. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I don't know why. Like, it, I don't know. It was. It well, was. I have uh, an idea of maybe why. Yeah, I mean, I, okay. yeah, it's still. I, I don't know. It was. It was weird. I mean, I, I was trying to, you know, not have that, you know, and, and root for the Astros, but it's just, it's you know, it's one of those weird things where. It's just instinctive where, you know, the other team, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I don't know. It, it was, uh, I thought, I thought it was good for baseball that, that it was two teams in the South, you know what I'm saying? Like two yeah. good fan bases and, you know, we'll, uh, have to wait and see how it shakes out next year. But I like, like, 
it was just it was it was it was uh it was weird i guess you know because you know correa is probably not going to be there yeah you know i mean the freeman team is might change. leave yeah On the other I, side i, I don't th- i don't think i don't think freeman's going anywhere you think he'll stay you think they'll pay up for to. him he has yeah. to now they yeah. have to it's interesting because he's 32, 33. Is he, is he, is he 33? Yeah, something oh, like damn. that. Yeah, yeah. He Remember, he already got like an eight-year. I mean, one, like a, give him one, like a four-year deal. Yeah, he, he already got like an eight-year 130 or something like that. I bet you he ends up getting like a six-year deal or something, though. See, he's 32. Yeah. 32, like, he get a six-year yeah. deal. Yeah, I guess six-year. Buster Posey retiring, bro? What'd you, yeah, what'd you think of that? Man. Uh, I, I spent a little time with Hunter Pence um, a couple of weeks ago, and he told me, he was like, man, I think Buster's going, like, might be shutting it down. He was like, he don't really like baseball. Said he's really? just like, said he's just like, you know, I love to play. I play baseball because God gave me this gift, and I don't want to waste the talent, and, and but he likes to do other things. So, you know, it's a grind to play a baseball season, especially behind the plate, dog. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, to to... To be able to, you know, that's a lot to be putting in if you're not really, you know, 100% into it. So, you know, for me, he's a Hall of Famer. You know, it is oh, what it is. 100%. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because he's he's only 34. Team, team has a $22 million option on him this year, which they 100% would have picked up. And he's walking away from it. I mean, I guess he's saying, hey, look. He is. I think he's already made one hundred and forty-six million dollars in his career. If if you if you do even you know slightly okay with the compound interest there, you're gonna be you're gonna be all right on one hundred forty-six million. You're gonna find your way uh, to to all the money you need. So I guess that's not a draw. But duh, I'm not walking away from twenty-two though. <laughs> I know. Well, we'll see. It has to be, and and not to get inside your wallet, it's only share what you're comfortable with, but like that aspect of it has to be jarring, right? Because no matter how well you do in the immediate aftermath, right? Like it, it's got to be completely different from when you go, you're making 25, 20, $10 million a year to like knowing like, hey, my annual income probably isn't going to be, e- even if I continue to make money on my money and do well yeah. with it, like- the new money coming in probably isn't ever going to be, or you know, anything like this, right? Mm-mm, never. Which is, which is a, a at a young age, that's got to be a little bit of like a, I don't know, some kind of yeah, like psychological but, but adjustment. It, but but if you're comfortable, like like you said, in your lifestyle, and you you know, I mean, obviously, 146 million dollars is a lot of money. You know, I mean, you you can, I mean, that that's that's plenty. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Especially if you're not into this, like you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like it's, it's, yeah. it's a lot that goes into this shit. If you, you know, you got to get ready, and you know, when you're ready to be done, you're ready to be done. And sounds like he is. I mean, he and he had a great career. Yeah. Seven time All Star, Gold Glove, batting title, MVP, three rings, Rookie of the Year, three rings, Hall of Famer, no doubt. Hall especially fame, at that bro. position. Especially yeah. at that position. How many years did he play? Uh, I think he played 11, I mean, 12. 12 years. If you're not passionate about it and you know you're taken care of and your family's taken care of, I could see you being like, all right, I'm out because it's such a grind. And he's accomplished everything, right? Yeah, and especially, I guess, like in today's climate. It's like harder to be a player now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like more than ever, I feel like. like just Have with- everything dissected. 
the every single thing on the yeah. field, off the field, everybody wants a piece of your whole life, cause so like, yeah. it's there's no separation between you know there used to be like the separation between like you know you as an athlete and then you as a yeah. as a as a you know family man or private person or whatever. Now there's no shut off in that, like, and yeah. that's gotta suck, cause like that's terrible. Yeah, I mean honestly, I. I think that at some point there's like the cup can't be filled anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, 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 at some point, I do it's know just what like, you're saying. Yeah, it's like, like, it's just like, it's like I'm at, it's like I'm at capacity. Sorry. Like, I can't, you know, like, I, I even think about it in regard to social media. You know, when so many people talk about the division of our times, and I think we very much underrate the role that social media plays in it because of the way it disintegrates communication. And I mean, it's just a really poor way to communicate. And people are much more focused on being right than they are on being understood. Mm -hmm. um, and I, or, or, or understanding someone else. And I just think about them like, if that's where we're at now, and technology has no intention of stopping, and these, you know, major, uh, you know, tech companies have no intention of stopping. Like, at some point, do you combust? You know, like, how do you handle it all? I don't know. See, like, wh where does it end? Yeah, I couldn't imagine being a young athlete right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, being a 13, 14-year-old basketball player or baseball player where you can see everything that everybody's doing. Like, that is, that makes no sense, guys. You know what I'm saying? Like... I couldn't imagine, you know, watching what kids with Florida were doing, like, if I'm playing football, like, you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. during basketball season, like, I see somebody working out and shit, like, I'm not taking my craft serious. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to to have social media, be a young athlete, and and keep your head on straight. Like, this shit is, it's got to be depressing, because, like, it's crazy. Dude, it, I, I, when you say that, I think of the show Swagger. Uh, that um. Oh, is Kate, that what that, yeah. is that what it's about? There's an element of that because the kid is like this massive prospect in the DMV area. Okay, and, there you go. Yeah, and and he's he's seeing every game. People tweeting at him like, "Oh, he's not that good." He, he's worrying about getting his ranking back. Like, "Oh, I got to get the See? number one ranking back." Or like, "Oh, that, like that's you know, real. I got to get my follower count up instead of just I got to go be great at basketball." Right? Yeah. So if you go hoop and play, then all of that'll come. You know what yes, I'm saying? And yes, I think yes. the, uh, like our gen like my generation of 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 athletes understood that. And I think we might have been the last ones that like if you be great on the field, like all of that stuff will come off the field. I think now it's like they need all of that stuff off the field before they can be go be great on the field. And it yeah. and it's it's ass backwards. Like you have to go like prove that you can actually do this shit. Like it's cool to post videos in the off season and your fits and all of that shit, and you know you can take pictures like it. That's great, but when it's time to get on the motherfucking bump, like I don't want to see you fucking working out like with shirtless and throwing bullpens and doing fucking shit in the street. When it's time to fucking show up and fucking to get your team to October, that's all I give a fuck about. But it's you know what I'm saying, like preach. And, and, Reach, my it's, friend. Yeah, I I, I, I couldn't agree more. You just put that. It's perfectly. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But like. That that's where we at. Like it's uh, it's it's more about the followers and the social media and 
And the kids are, and 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 that's where the kids are with it too. The kids yeah. like that shit. That's who's popular. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's it's crazy, but it is what it is. It's alarming. It's, it's, it's got to come back. It's it, please it's for the love for the love of God. It's got to come. It's got to come back. Um. All right. See. Uh, we are um, we're gonna wrap things here with this episode of R2C2 with the World Series reaction, and uh, we'll have uh, plenty more in the weeks to come. We got to get Theo back on to evaluate how all the changes work that he talked about uh, implementing in the minor leagues this season to kind of recap how they went. Aaron Boone's gonna come on shortly. We'll do dive into free agency and start getting more into uh, uh, hoops and uh, and the NFL, NFL as well, man. Um, man, sad that. story with the Raiders, bro. Henry Rugg oh. story. Jeez, uh, man, dude, that's so sad. It's it's so sad. And all I can say is, please. For the love of God, don't drink and drive. There's, there, there's so many services to take you where you gotta go now. Like, imagine how you would feel if somebody you loved lost their life because of a drunk driver. Just don't, and just don't do it. Just don't, just don't do it. It is so sad. Um, All right, see, uh, we'll do it again uh, next week, my friend. Yep. And big thanks to our outstanding producers, Sadie Zillow, Bobby Wagner, always holding it down. All right. Peace, everybody. Peace.